Good evening, ladies. I'm so excited to be here with you tonight as we look with excitement at this potential to seek life, to be life, and to give life to those around us no matter what our life currently looks like. So first I thought I'd give you a quick window into my life. I'm married to my husband Trevor and we've been married for three years. Uh, we don't have any kids except we are both teachers so we each have 12 at school that we love to claim as our own. And as a teacher there are many things that I love about my job. And one of those things is the excitement of the first week of school. Planning fun activities and getting to know the students is such a fun time of the school year. And one of my favorite morning warm-up activities that first week of school is this finish the picture page. The student's job is to look at this page of almost nothing and create something. And then it's really fun to hear them share about their creations. And some students can be more shy and say, I don't really know what I created. But then you'll have a student that has a huge imagination. And they'll say, I made a monster and his name is Monster Jam. And he looks like this, he does this, and he has these superpowers. And what's fun about this activity is that we get to be a creator and create something new. But the only way that we can share these images is, this, is if the one that created the image explains what they have made. No one else knows the creation better than the creator. They know the ins, the outs, and every, every detail you need to know. Now, some students can be nervous to share in front of everyone and ask if I'll share their picture for them. But that doesn't really work, because as I would start to interpret their picture, they would correct me and inform me of what's really true about their drawing. Do you see what I'm getting at here? That no one knows or can identify the creation other than the creator. So tonight, the theme of the evening is life givers. And the main points we'll be talking about is the truth of our past and the truth about our future informs the reality of today. Meaning before we can understand what it means to be a life giver and truly claim that identity as our own and look at what that looks like practically, we need to have a right understanding of where this life comes from and how that gives us perspective for our life. So just as we did with the finish the picture, let's do the same with ourselves. Let's let the creator identify who we are. So we'll start by looking at the truth of our past. Let's go to the very beginning, Genesis 1-1, where the whole story begins with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We are instantly introduced to God as the creator of life. Right here, we see he is the source of life. As the days of creation unfold, and if we flip ahead um, to Genesis 2, where the seven days of creation have already been disclosed, now the word goes back to where Adam enters the scene. Listen to Genesis chapter 2, verse 4 through 7. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, and no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth. Did you hear it? Life doesn't exist unless God allows it to or instructs it to exist. All of life flows from him. And there was no man to work the ground, but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. 
Earlier details that were already included were things such as, so God created him in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. They were told to enjoy all that he had given them, to be fruitful and to multiply, to fill the whole earth and to subdue it. He gave them authority over all creation, and he adds that he has given them every green plant as food. Guys, the original plan of creation was only life. There was no death, no bloodshed, no thorns, not even death for food. He said they would receive all of their nourishment that they needed from the green plants that he had provided. So let's go back to Genesis 2 verse 8 where we left off. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And about these two trees, verse 15 says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, most of you are familiar with where the story heads from here. God says that it's not suitable for man to be alone and makes a helper suitable for him. The woman enters the scene. And we continue to meet more characters in the story as in chapter three, the serpent joins them. He begins whispering lies and deceit to Eve, tempting her to believe that she should indeed and has a right to eat of the tree that God clearly instructed her husband not to eat of. You guys, she eats the fruit and sin enters the world. Now that's not new news to us, but as I slow down to study exactly what God said and exactly what Eve chose to do, I saw this pattern of this contrast between death and life. God had given them all of life. So far, life was the only plan. We only hear of death and God's warning and not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They were literally given the breath of life and creation, given authority over all creation, given the tree of life, and you know what they traded all of that life for? Death. This contrast of life and death is found with the two trees. Now, I can see how the tree of life would lead to life, but it's maybe not as obvious how the tree of the knowledge of good and evil would, leave, would represent death. So this left me to wonder, what about that tree brought death? Was it disobedience? Was it that act to the, that tree itself? And people might wonder, why would God give them everything, but then withhold from them something? But you guys, God gave them everything when he gave them himself. He gave them life. And it wasn't that they weren't allowed to have the knowledge of good and evil like Satan made it seem. The truth was that they already had it through God. But the problem was God said very clearly, eat of it and you will surely die. Disobeying God ultimately results in death. Adam and Eve possessed life and they possessed that moral discernment as they came from the hand of God. They were already made in his image. Their access to the fruit of the tree of life showed that God's will and intention was life. In eating the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Adam and Eve sought to be God. So here we see that life is found under his lordship. We have to say yes to him being our savior and Lord. And that's what Eve didn't do. 
And it's easy to look at Eve and be like, Eve, come on. He literally gave you everything and you traded that all for one tree. Well, actually, that's a picture of everything we desire too. We also have been given everything and we can enjoy that life to the fullest when we accept him as our Lord. But what did Eve want instead? Knowledge, power, control. Doesn't that sound familiar? Life is found under him alone. So, so far under point one, the truth about our past, we see that God is the creator of life and he has given us life. And life is found under his lordship. But do you know what's remarkable? God isn't done speaking purpose and plan into his creation. As teachers or parents or kids that were raised by teachers and parents, we know that our choices have consequences. So in God's good nature, logically what happens next is the consequences of their sin. Trading all of that life away in an effort to be God and not be created by God resulted in death. And we see that, that this dust represents death. Dust was what they were created from. They are told that dust is what they will return to. Satan being a snake, snakes would now eat dust as they slither on the ground. Adam would labor to grow food from the dust. And in Eve's curse, childbirth would be painful. But it's through that pain and life-giving that the curse would eventually be defeated. One of Eve's offsprings would defeat the evil one. In his grace, childbirth would continue, and even through their death, God was bringing life that would eventually restore eternal life. Do you see this? That at first it was all life, and then sin and curses, and then instantly the plan for redeeming life. God takes the situation where they have literally just traded life for death, and he speaks life to them. After the curses are laid out, the very next verse, chapter 3, verse 20 reads, Adam named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all the living. And what might seem like a minor detail in making sure that we have the story events in order is actually very significant because we have to remember that up until now, Eve was named woman and not until after the fall is she named Eve. The Hebrew word for Eve is Shava. Listen as I read the meanings for this Hebrew word. Life giver, to breathe, to live, or to give life. And if you thought that was good, wait till you hear the related word or the verb tense. To live, to give life, to revive, to preserve alive, to nourish, to recover, to repair, to restore to life, to cause to grow, and to be whole. Did Adam even understand how insane that was? He named her Eve because she would be the mother of all the living, but little did he know that Eve's name would declare God's plan for giving life and restoring life to his people through Eve. And interestingly enough, we had to walk through the fall of mankind to see the naming of Eve as life giver. Our God brings dead things to life. He did that in the death of creation, and we see Jesus do it again on the cross. Give of his life to make dead things come to life. Our God doesn't change. It's not a unique quality that he shows in creation, in Genesis, but it's a quality that he continues to show himself as all throughout the Bible. And it's God in all three persons. 
First, we look at God the Father in creation. Job chapter 34 says, if he put his mind to it and withdrew the spirit and the breath he gave, every living thing would perish together and when mankind would return to dust. We were given life by the Father, but then chose death. So Jesus, God's Son, died to bring us life again. And the Holy Spirit today gives and sustains life. Eve and us as her daughters are life givers because we were first life receivers. What an epic beginning to the Bible. As we let the Bible define the truth of our past, we see that God is the creator of life and has given, has given us the breath of life and creation, that we find life under his lordship and that among a curse, Eve is named life. Now, what just happened in the past quickly projects us to the future in that the curse also includes the plan for redemption. Now, we already discussed what the consequences of sin were for Adam and Eve, but let's look a little bit more at what it means when God spoke to the serpent saying, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. The woman was the first to eat of the forbidden fruit, but the woman would have the honor of producing the fruit that would save mankind and crush the serpent. We were just studying Genesis 1 through 3, the very beginning of the Bible, but now we're going to look ahead to Revelation 22, the last book of the Bible. Verses 1 through 5, read this. Then he showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the city's main street. The tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for healing the nations, and there will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. People will not need the light of a lamp or the light of a sun because the Lord God will give them light and he will reign forever and they will reign forever and ever. The Bible began with the story of creation and life. And ladies, the Bible ends with an invitation to the source of life. The scene was just set and now the invitation comes. Verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have a right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Verse 17 says, both the spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life freely. It's really cool that the tree of life was originally given to Adam and Eve, but you can't have life outside of God. He is the source of life. But then the story ends with those who wash their robes, meaning they've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. They have faith in Jesus Christ and keep his commands, have a right to the tree of life. God gave life in Genesis, and Jesus gave his life so that we may again have life as described in Revelation. The tree is back, and life is found in the Father. Ladies, this truth about our past and the truth about our future should inform the reality of our today. This demands a response. And as we look at the implications and the application of this life that we just heard about, I want to take a look at something. What was one illustration that God used to speak purpose to the people he created? He said, be fruitful and multiply. I want to focus on that word fruit for just a minute. Do you know what makes fruit a fruit? 
I was pretty sure that I did, but sometimes I got a little bit mixed up on what seemed like it should be a fruit, but it doesn't actually count. And so I did a little research and I checked with my preschool teaching mom. And what makes a fruit a fruit is the seed. Okay, how you sort fruits and vegetables is what has a seed is a fruit. So you guys, he uses fruit, meaning they, we, have a seed. Now the animals were also told to be fruitful, but what makes all the difference is the seed. That seed, that thing that makes us different from all of the other remarkable creation, is that we were made in the image of God. That's the seed that we bear. We were instructed to be fruitful, to multiply. But you remember how sin entered the world when Adam and Eve chose to eat the fruit. Now what a picture of Eve not recognizing who she was, searching for life in a source that didn't make sense. She had already been given everything, but she didn't acknowledge God as her seed and as her authority. And the thing is, is that every human has this seed. Every human is a son and daughter of Adam and Eve created by God, whether we admit it or not. But the thing is, is that some fruits are seedless. And when that happens, it's a, f a fruit without a seed is not natural. It's been altered by man. This happens in abortion when it's been disconnected from the source of life. Okay, so make this connection with me. If every human is, does have the seed, every human is a son and daughter of Adam, and, of Adam and Eve created by God, whether we admit it or not, then some people are living as if they were a vegetable when they're really a fruit. Or some people are living as they've been disconnected from the source and they're now living seedless. But that's a loss of potential and a loss of opportunity. They never really realized who they were. They're not recognizing what makes them them. It's not natural. It's not the way that they were created. But we are fruit with a seed, and our seed is our identity as a child of God. And this is cool too. Fruit multiplies by seed dispersal and nutrition. And so our seed needs to be nourished and it needs to be dispersed. Ladies, that means that we have life to have and life to give. So let's use our life, which we have been given, to give life to others that also has a seed in it. We are to be fruit that recognizes our seed. And when we give life to others, what that means is that we tell them who has given us life. So let's do that. Let's apply this truth that it's life to have and it's life to give. Giving life doesn't just mean with birthing kids. It means that we're welcoming discomfort that we're being intentional, we're taking opportunities and we're saying yes to Jesus. And as we go on our way being life givers, we have to remember that in the New Testament, when Jesus was sending out his 12 disciples, he says to go share the good news. And if you're not welcomed or you're not listened to there, then to dust off your feet and to keep going. He doesn't say try harder, try a new strategy. Ladies, we have opportunities to bring life but we are not in control of the results. I am not speaking to you as some big, huge success story in the way that we th might think perfect life giving to be. But what is true is that I have given my life to Jesus and I know that my life is his and I want to spend my days loving him and helping others to know him and to love him.
But I'm not here to say that if you just love Jesus and try hard enough, you can bring life to any dead thing. Guys, we're just getting over what the system calls a failed foster care placement. A life that we so wanted to bring life to, but we had to let go of because we were past what we could help. And what started as hard but endurable turned into way harder. And it um, all accumulated to some visits to the ER. And on what would come to be the last night, as we're waiting in the ER for the nurse to come admit us into child psych, she asked me to lay with her. So I lean up against her bed and she has her arm around me. And my mind is buzzing a million miles an hour. As I'm thinking about the horrific events of the week, the soul-crushing reality that this is it for us, and the ache of the unknown. As I'm thinking that, she says, Crystal, you're like God. I said, what do you mean, babe? And she said, you're kind, like God. And shortly after we finished discussing this, the nurse, which we've waited for hours for, walks through the door and says that security is ready to wheel her away. There was no way for her to know the timing of that comment. But I felt the Lord literally showing me that she saw me in you, that you guys shared me with her, and now we're headed a different direction. And off she went. You guys, I thought that to be a life giver in that situation meant making all of her problems go away. I hope you can understand me. (laughs) A little tearful. Um, To raise her and to shape her in a way that she would know Jesus and that her life would change dramatically and that she would experience a newness of life now. And ultimately, we thought that the best thing that we could offer her would to be, to be her forever family. But we learned that this time that wasn't the case. Being a life giver meant that we gave her the best gift that we had ever received. We couldn't be her family, but she left knowing who her father was. Now, I'm not here to say all is peachy and every thorn turns to a rose, but I'm saying, ladies, we have to hope that every thorn can become a rose. And let's take this life inside of us and live in a way that we seek to bring life to others, not by fixing their problems or by saving their life, but by sharing Jesus with them. That life we can always share and always bring. And as badly as I wanted my life to bring new life to hers on earth, it's only a fail if we see bringing life as bringing life with no suffering. But ladies, that's just not true. Life is found in Jesus, and we can give him and share him to any dead thorn. And this doesn't mean that God didn't show up. This this means what Isaiah 55 verse 8 and 9 describes. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Because he lives in us, we have the power to give life. The potential's there. And that's why we live intentionally, and we use our life to do so, and we pray like crazy that that life would happen. But it's also why we trust him for all the results, because he is the life giver. And we are only life givers because of him. So it's not about us. It's about allowing that power to flow from us. 
So let us seek to understand the balance between God doesn't need me. He's not served by human hands as if he needed something, but God can use us. So it's not the mindset that I'm the only one that God can use or eh, somebody else will do it, but what is a right mindset? that he is able, and that I want my life to be available to be a part of his will being done. And that should free us, ladies, to get started if we're not doing anything life-giving right now, to keep going if we're in the middle of a really hard thing and there's opportunities every single day around you. It should give us hope for all the thorns that aren't roses yet and thankfulness and awe at every life that has been made new, including our own. If you're seeing the flower bloom, praise God. But if you're not seeing new life, still praise God, for he is able. Our fear of the results can't keep us from taking opportunities. We're to fear our God alone. And maybe sometimes it's hard because what needs life is things that are dead, right? So we step into pain, into brokenness, into hurt, into death to bring life. And when it is hard, we remember to cry, Jesus, come quickly. And what if we started every day with Jesus, come quickly? If we started with, thank you for my life, my life is yours, so my day is yours. May today be about you instead of me. Show me how you want me to spend my time and my money today. I might have an idea of what my day will look like, but if that's not your plans, we can completely scratch that. What if before we walk into a room, we ask God to show us who we should connect with and speak with, to give us eyes to see the lonely and the hurting, to hear and then to obey? Because when our life comes from God, it's a source of life that never runs dry. We do have to portion our spending for the month on groceries and our time spent working and sleeping, but the goodness of God never runs dry and we can share that freely. So may we wait for eternity by giving life, knowing that God has given us life and it's life to the fullest. We are the tender of his garden, but ladies, we are not the source of life. Tonight at each breakout, you'll hear from ladies who seek to follow Jesus and in doing so themselves, and they find themselves doing just what Jesus did. They're seeking to bring life amongst whatever brokenness and death is in their life because they know who their father is. The soldiers to Jesus on the cross were saying, if your father is really God, then why doesn't he save you from this? But they didn't get it. It was because his father was God that he was able to endure this because God is life. And only those who know and believe in Jesus can look at something like death and find life. We have to zoom out before we zoom in because we need eternal perspective, but we can't stay zoomed out. We have to zoom back in and hear Jesus say, I am, and look for the life he gives now. Tonight, you're going to hear stories of hurting, stories that looked like death, but stories where people are clinging to life. They've taken the life they've been giving, and they're giving it to other people just like Jesus did. Guys, we have amazing potential because of the source of our life. Because of who God is, and because we are His, we have incredible potential. Let's not waste it. Let's bring life. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for life. Thank you that the truth of our past and the truth of our future is covered with life and it's all about you.
God, would you help us marvel at that truth? Would it change us? And would we see it as life so amazing that we would have nothing we love more, nothing we hold on to more than to being yours and to hear you speak identity to us? God, would you bless each woman as they go to their breakout? Would we hear from you tonight? It's in your name I pray, amen.